Hey everybody, Jeff Antoniak here. Welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz Videos. Today I want to talk about the bebop scale and a pretty magic, cool thing that we can do with it. Now these videos, as always, they're for all instruments. Anybody that's ever going to play a solo, I don't care if that's bass or if you're a vocalist that really wants to be singing and scatting some real jazz, any instrument, whatever you got. Okay, so um, we talked about bebop scales, uh, dominant and major bebop scales, in two previous videos, number 21 and 23. So in this video, I'm going to take for granted some knowledge of those scales. So if you haven't checked out those videos, especially the one on the major bebop scale, head back, listen to that one, and uh, come back here, and uh, we'll dig into it. So let me do this. Let me put this sheet up on the screen just to make sure we all have the same point of departure. I'm going to play for you the major bebop scale. I played item number one there. I played the scale one octave, then I played it two octaves. So bebop scale, it has that extra half step between the fifth and the sixth scale degree. So you know that bebop scales are so great because when we start on the beat, as I did, I started on beat one, the chord tones all land on downbeats. And that's a hallmark of fantastic jazz playing. That's a hallmark of Johann Sebastian Bach's compositions. Many people before me have talked and written about this, how we often want to line up our chord tones on the downbeats. Well, that seems like a lot to think about, and it seems like your head may actually explode trying to keep track of that. Well, guess what? There are some devices that do that for us. I'm not thinking about that stuff as I play. Bebop scales help in that regard. That's why we practice these things. That's why you guys are going to love them. And now I'm talking mostly to adult amateur students out there, right? Semi-pros, you folks that I care so much about and getting you good information. So between the last couple videos, 20 to 21 and 23, and this, you're going to find some astoundingly useful stuff. All right, so let's dig into it. So the idea, so you know that we can, you know, the, when we play the bebop scale, the chord tones land on the downbeats. Fantastic. Well, you also know from the major bebop video that we can start on any chord tone. I can start on the root, the third, the fifth, or the sixth, and the chord tones line up. So that right there is already pretty magic, that idea that if you start on the root, third, fifth, or sixth scale degree playing that same scale, all the, all the chord tones still line up on the downbeats. Let me do that. I'm going to start on the root here. Okay, so that right there, on one scale, we have all these starting points. So that is fantastic. We don't want to start every chord on the root all the time, right? We could start on the third, the fifth, etc., etc. So here's the new news for today is a new sort of rule for us is that we can change direction on a bebop scale on any chord tone. So it's like there's a boundary. You can change direction when you get to the root. It's a chord tone. If you play up to the third, you can change direction. And here's the thing, your chord tones still line up on the downbeats. You can play up to the fifth. 
If you change direction, your chord tones stay on the downbeats. You can go to the sixth, right? Those are our chord tones, you know, for, for the sake of the scale. One, three, five, six. And everything stays lined up. So you can start on any chord tone, end on any chord tone, and change direction on any chord tone. Okay, here's my analogy. Uh, you know those like Roomba vacuum cleaner things that go around your, your house when you're not home? I don't have one of them, so you can probably tell what my house looks like, but um, they bang into a wall, and that's a boundary. They hit the wall, they turn around, right? They hit the cat, they turn around. They probably hit the cat a second time just for fun. They turn around. So that's what we can do with this scale. So let me do this. I'm going to play item number two on the sheet. I wrote out a, a little etude that, um, you know, you can probably find the pattern in there. And what I'm going to do is turn around on some of these uh, chord tones. And I put a little inverted, you know, V looking thing to let you know where I'm turning around. It's pretty clear, right? But just, you know, to graphically let you uh, see what this is. <laughs> Sounds like jazz, those rolling eighth notes. It may sound like some classical music too. So this scale has existed before Charlie Parker showed up on earth, okay? So uh, that little etude would be a fantastic thing to do. And so I built in turning around on different, uh, on different chord tones. So what I could do is I could also play freely. Now here's what, okay, let me back up. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn these scales. If you've checked out the previous uh, videos, you've done that, right? I want you to learn item number two on the sheet, that sort of etude thing. That would be fantastic to take into different keys. All 12 keys at some point, but I'm happy if you did in one or two keys this week. And then what I want you to do is play freely with it. So that would be exercise two and a half. So let me give you an example here. <laughs> did it out of time or in various tempos, but every time I changed direction was on a chord tone. Here's the thing. I started re-practicing this for the first time in a lot of years, and wow, I mean, this is Jeff, the professional musician here. Um, it was interesting how often I don't turn around on chord tones. So yes, there's many reasons you could do that. I'm, inc I'm including an enclosure in my line. There, there's a hundred reasons that are good reasons. There's also times where I do it, it's like, ah, I should have turned around on the chord tone. I'm ending up in a funky place now and I need to recover at the end of my line. So I was shocked to see how hard playing exercise number two in all 12 keys was for me. So that's something I am literally currently practicing right now and it would be a fantastic thing for you to do. Okay, so let's do this. I wanna put this in the context of a tune. So uh, a, a fantastic song that jazz musicians love to play is uh, Night and Day by the great Cole Porter. 
fantastic standard. And the bridge is this uh, interesting eight measures where it goes back and forth between two major seventh chords. And they're separated by a weird interval from E flat major to C major. So that's sort of not standard. And, you know, I remember as a younger player, and I remember hearing musicians to this day getting a little bit beat up on that bridge. So this is a fantastic place to use these two bebop scales. It's a great laboratory for you to do some practicing on. So uh, let me do this. Let me, uh, let me play this sort of written etude I did, number three, and I'll play it twice through. So that fits pretty well. And there's so much that we get from these bebop scales. I mean, just the rolling eighth notes. I hear that from so many less experienced players or people who think they don't have the technique. You know, and, and again, I work with a lot of adult players, older, retired players. And, you know, I hear things like, oh, I've got some arthritis or my technique isn't what it used to be. You know what? That is almost never the case. And I'm talking about, I've had people with bad arthritis. They can do this. It's not a finger problem that people are having. It's more, you know, the bottleneck is sort of our brain giving us the notes. I think what they're saying, that's, that's sort of an, a, an excuse in a weird way. They don't know 16 correct notes in a row is what they're telling me. And so their brain panics, they get a little anxious, and now the fingers don't work so well. So guess what? When you have a device like this that feeds you the right information with a little practice, all of a sudden, the technique that isn't quite perfect, the arthritis or the whatever it is, it goes away. I mean, it really does. I've had this experience with, with people with some you know, serious limitations. And once they get this kind of stuff going, all of a sudden the flowing eighth notes are kind of happening and it's sounding a little bit better. So that's what I want to give you for today. That's the magic part of the bebop scale that gets left out. People show you a bebop scale, but they don't tell you you can start on the different chord tones. Start on the third, start on the fifth, and practice it. Just knowing you can do it is not enough, right? So you gotta practice it. Now, this idea of turning around on the chord tones. So what I would love for you to do is take the bridge of night and day and loop that thing, just like what I did. It just repeats over and over, two chords back and forth and play the etude, just to give you an idea, the little thing I wrote out, but then I want you to start improvising with it, and can you, in real time, pull that off? So that's an assignment for you this week. And by the way, I've been telling you folks about Jazzwire. Jazzwire is exciting. We finally got a timetable. On November 1st, Jazzwire is gonna be launching, November 1st, 2018. And we are starting to take applications. That opens up September 1st, 2018. So that's something you guys can be getting ready for. If you appreciate this input, this input of very, very specific information, and imagine what that would be like if you have a team of people to be bouncing ideas off of. It's going to be a really, really great situation. So be thinking about that. And of course, if you're hearing this after September 1st or November 1st of 2018, we're up and running for you. So Jazzwire is what I want you to check out. So you've got your uh, marching orders here with the bebop scale and this fantastic idea of changing directions. Uh, I was playing a Sonny Stitt transcription that I think I'm going to be presenting on one of these videos soon. It was done by a, one of my favorite sax players really on the planet and a good dear friend, Luis Hernandez. Luis did this cool uh, transcription of Sonny Stitt. And man, there are bebop scales 
all through that transcription. It's, he's playing these things, like essentially what we're doing here. It's, it's, there's nothing fancier than that. They sound fantastic. And if Sonny Stitt, and if Charlie Parker, and if Dizzy Gillespie could play this stuff, we can play this stuff too. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you next time on Digging Deeper Jazz.